0: so um can you tell me something i really didn't need to know hey mom tell me something i didn't need to know so how about let's learn something we really don't
1: need to know
0: welcome to the show if
1: you haven't stopped listening already this is tell me something i didn't need to know (laughs) i think we've already covered that (laughs) Pretty,
0: pretty sure but you know i think we should probably cover that in every episode just like I think I'm going to try and cover this in every episode. Did you pee today?
1: Yes, I did. Thank you. Thanks for asking. Did you
0: pee before the show? Thanks. Before we started recording today? Yes,
1: I did. Thanks for your concern. Okay. But I just... Thanks for watching out for my bladder. Of course.
0: You know, i got to make sure you're taking care of, otherwise this isn't going to last very long.
1: Good bladder health is important.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't think I did pee before, but I don't feel like I have to, okay. so...
1: Good to know. Good to, I'm sure they care. You're definitely not listening anymore. Maybe. <laughs> anyway. Uh, welcome to our show. This is episode two.
0: I am Andrew.
1: And I am Mary. And Thank you for listening. Your, yeah, we appreciate your time today.
0: What did you do today, Mom?
1: Worked, Entertain the people I work with.
0: So no different than any other day?
1: Pretty much no different than any other day. I am just a walking, talking, entertainment system.
0: I'm just thinking this recording on the weekdays is probably isn't going to work very well. And we're just going to talk about the fact that we worked.
1: There's other things that go on
0: too, but yeah, because we both work. Yeah. How are you today? I'm alright. Good. Trying.
1: Did you get plenty of sleep?
0: More than enough, yeah.
1: Good.
0: It's nice to have two days off of work.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Frequently, we talk
0: that way. My national day for the day. We're, we're moving on to the next portion. That would be our national Thanks. days.
1: Thanks for letting me know that. I appreciate that a great
0: deal. No, it's not just you. I more or less did it for the listeners, but I guess, you know, okay. you hearing about it is also an added bonus. So
1: tell us about your day.
0: So my day, my national day is National Hermit Day, which is observed on October 29th. And it is a day to recognize the hermit in all of us. If you feel the need to observe this day, then just avoid other people and take a break from society for a day. I like this. And uh, what national day do you have for us, Mom?
1: I wasn't really impressed with the rest of my choices for today. So I chose to go into the future. I went to tomorrow. I chose National Candy Corn Day.
0: Oh dear you lord. You either
1: hate it or you love it. I hate There's it. There's no in between. I hate it. Yeah, well.
0: It's yucky stuff. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, on October 30th, the entire country celebrates the favorite vegetable. Keed corn was actually introduced in the 1800s, so it's been around for a long time. And some of it kind of tastes like it's been around for a long time.
0: <laughs> All of it, but yeah. So, we're still eating the first batch from the 1800s, right?
1: Very, very well could. Yeah. <laughs> so, the candy was designed in yellow, orange, and white. The original creator of it wanted it to represent actual corn kernels.
0: Um, I don't know any corn kernels that are usually orange.
1: I don't personally know any corn kernels at all. They no. are not really included in my group of friends.
0: Oh. Have you met a corn lieutenant? Corporal? Captain?
1: Ooh.
0: Captain corn.
1: Ooh. A whole army of corn. (laughs) 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 A whole army. Okay. And then you get it against the Christmas corn. Halloween corn versus Christmas corn.
0: (laughs) Wait, is there actually a difference?
1: The coloring. Oh, okay. It all tastes like shit, but the coloring's different.
0: So... No, uh, October 30th is Candy Corn Day.
1: Yeah, National Candy Corn Day, anyway.
0: So, what is in your cup?
1: So, today we have a dark chocolate raspberry coffee. It's kind of bold, a little rich. Just a hint of the raspberry in the background, if you ask me. Coming from the Kentucky Mountain Coffee Company that I found somewhere in Kentucky on my travels.
0: It is absolutely delicious. I love this coffee.
1: I love coffee in general. This is a
0: very nice coffee. Uh, it's the same thing that's in my cup.
1: Oh, good to know. Yeah. Good to know. Because I was going to Thanks ask for you. asking. I was going to ask you, what was it? What's it? All right, Andrew, because, you know, you look like I left you out. Oh, okay. Andrew, what's yes. in
0: your cup? Same thing that's in your cup, Mom. Aww. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that means I'm drinking both of our coffees.
0: I don't okay. think that's how that works. <laughs> what, laundry... Anywho. Right. So this so, is episode two. This is episode two, hopefully.
1: It is episode two. We had a lot of fun making episode one. We got some really good feedback. We appreciate all the feedback and we thank all of you for listening. I, myself personally, had an amazing time. And Andrew makes a really good editor.
0: Yeah, I had a uh, editing time. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's the end of October. It's almost time to vote. Andrew and I made the choice together to not talk about anything on this show that was going to cause dissension or could be taken wrong. So we made the decision to not talk about politics and we're not going to talk about religion.
0: I was going to say that. You took that from me.
1: I'm so sorry. No, you're not. I'm sorry. (laughs) You're not. Let me take you.
0: So on this show, we decided we are not going to talk about politics or religion in the hopes that we don't offend anybody.
1: Thanks, Mom. On that note, it is the end of October. We only have a couple days until it's voting day. So I do want to say, whether you like the way the country's headed now, whether you want to see some changes, make sure that you get out there and vote. If you haven't already, get out there and vote. You have the American right to do so. You should use it.
0: Remember that whether you feel your vote makes a difference or not, any vote that you put in towards whatever party you put it towards, it is against the party you do not want. So it cancels out a vote for the other guy.
1: That's a super good point, Andrew. So
0: just keep that in mind. Every vote counts. Every vote makes a difference. So get out there and vote.
1: It does. And make sure you're kind while you do it.
0: Yes, don't be a jerk to your... Ballot
1: taker people. Ballot, voter, people personnel.
0: Keep it light, keep it simple.
1: I've heard some really good stories. I've actually seen some really good stories. About? People in line, waiting in line. Like, some people are waiting in line, and and as we know, some of the lives are long and they are taking a while. But I've seen some things on, on television that groups of musicians will just start singing or playing. Or dancing and just kind of creating amusement for the other people in line and creating a kind of a goodwill around them and it's just kind of neat to watch.
0: So if you're looking to go out and vote today and you're trying to observe Hermit Day, don't go out and vote. Just wait till tomorrow.
1: <laughs> that also is really good point. <laughs>
0: Why do today what you can put off till tomorrow?
1: Anyway, go vote. Be kind.
0: (laughs) Yes. So, Mom, are you going to tell me something I really don't need to know today?
1: I absolutely am. Are you ready
0: for this? Hopefully.
1: Whole batch of information. I'm hoping that
0: this story, I have more questions that you can't answer than the last one we tried to record.
1: Well, we're talking about something that I don't know if you're familiar with.
0: Probably not.
1: Today we're going to talk about Bourbon.
0: Bourbon. Bourbon. Uh, I don't drink bourbon. I
1: don't know if I really drink it or not. I know I went to a distillery where they make bourbon. In Kentucky. Yeah, this one yeah, because Kentucky actually is the bourbon capital of the world. Okay. That is bourbon country. There are you know in the region we were in there are distilleries everywhere and and they're big name distilleries. So we're gonna talk about bourbon which which is a type of whiskey. That was created here in the United States of America. It does trace its lineage back to the Scots and the Irish settlers back in Pennsylvania and the Appalachian Mountains.
0: I did not know that bourbon was a whiskey.
1: It is a type of whiskey. I think that there are several types of whiskey. I think there's like a Scotch whiskey, and I'm not sure what else.
0: Aren't you the research specialist?
1: Yes, but I didn't research whiskeys. I researched bourbon, specifically The Great Bourbon Robbery.
0: Okay, but I'm just saying, Mm -hmm. um, if you researched bourbon and it's a type of whiskey, should you not have also researched all the types of whiskey? That way you had an answer to my question, which is, how many types of whiskey are there?
1: This would involve the taste testing, of which the likes we've never seen before, which I probably wouldn't have recovered from by now.
0: I will take one for the team.
1: I will take more than one. (coughs) So a the Scots and the Irish settlers who brought the whiskey distilling with them on their native land. Obviously, Scotland and Ireland.
0: Why is that an obvious thing? Are you stereotyping right now? That doesn't seem PC.
1: I've got nothing. Okay. I learned that bourbon grew very popular after World War II because the soldiers that were arriving home needed something to relieve feelings that they were going through, the the things they were dealing with, and they discovered that bourbon was pretty potent spirit, which also went well with tobacco. So, you know, after World War II, the next 20 years or so were golden times for bourbon and the other traditional whiskeys that were out there on the market. It was still pretty new. So when baby bloomers came of age, their tastes changed. And that would have been in the late 70s, early 80s. The dark rich liquors That their parents drank and appreciated and approved of were now exchanged for things like vodkas and gems, tequila's, and this is where wine started becoming a little bit more important. These took up the whiskey or the the bourbon's market share, which caused it to slide, and that slide continued into the 70s and the 80s. So now we're gonna we're gonna jump ahead to 1984 at the George T. Stagg Distillery.
0: Where's that located?
1: That is in Kentucky. His master distiller, his name was Elmer T. Bud. Uh.
0: <laughs> Did you do that on purpose? No, it was so <laughs> It was that's kind of perfect. I I don't think I'm gonna cut that.
1: His <laughs> name was actually really truly honestly Elmer. T. (laughs) Lee. Dropping like fun. (laughs) Let's not forget, ladies and gentlemen, that I have a college degree.
0: Them (laughs) wascoeen wabbits. Where did he go, George? Where did he go? That's too perfect. That, okay. This is why I didn't want a script. Just saying.
1: Okay, so Mr. Lee began experimenting with a new type of bourbon that was aged a little longer because the aging provided a smoother, deeper flavor. So this is where the Pappy Van Winkle bourbon came into being.
0: I just want you to know, I've never heard of any of these brands.
1: Dory Steg is like a brand name, such as Pepsi or Coke. Okay. Pepsi makes Pepsi, Diet Pepsi, Mountain Dew, Mountain Dew. Yep, Dew. I get it. Those are products of the brand. Yep. Okay. So Pappy Van Winkle is a product of the George T. Stagg distillery. Okay. Okay. Pappy Van Winkle is made still today. I had heard about Pappy Van Winkle. I had never actually seen a bottle until I went into the bourbon district and went through some museums. Learned a lot of information, saw my first bottles. So the Pappy Van Winkle that is sought after today is a descendant of this longer aging process that began with Elmer Lee's work. Did I did
0: it? <laughs> Good job! I'm <laughs> so it. proud of you.
1: Gold star in my forehead.
0: Don't tempt me.
1: <clears throat> so what makes Pappy a little different from other bourbons is the recipe. When you the recipe for a bourbon is called a mash bill, which is The recipe for anything that is fermented, beer, whiskey, gin, which is the combination of your grain ingredients that are distilled to make the liquor. So to qualify as bourbon, your mash bill must contain at least 51% corn. After you have your corn requirements, the rest is up to the distiller what else they put in there.
0: Okay, so we're not giving on, giving away any secret recipes no, on this? No,
1: I'm not. There's no recipes. I'm not giving a recipe involved in this. No. Okay. I just want to make sure. Um, peat and barley are key ingredients in scotches, which is why scotches tend to be dry, malty, and smoky flavored.
0: And you just go over the fact that this is not on anything, but this bourbon, it's not about whis- other whiskeys or scotches or... I'm
1: I'm trying to keep you, you on research track. Into other whiskeys. You can't keep me on track. Oh I know. My locomotive has left the track. I know. We are just steaming off in our own direction.
0: Yeah, it's leaving being the world behind. It's being piloted by Elmer T Fudd. <laughs> yes, I'm rolling with that one.
1: <laughs> oh my, rye heavy whiskeys bring a spicier flavor. The five rules that make a liquor a bourbon. And they have to be followed. It must be made in the United States. Aging has to take place in a new charred oak barrel for a minimum of two years.
0: How does one go about newly charring an oak barrel? Blah blah, 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 English. How does one go about new charring in new oak barrel?
1: With fire. And take a new barrel... You light it on fire the inside. You blow it out really fast like a birthday cake. Yeah, now it's chatter.
0: <laughs> My, do you have a way with words.
1: The third rule that makes it a bourbon is the mash must be 51%, which covered. The fourth rule is that the whiskey cannot enter the barrel at higher than 125 proof. cannot leave at more than 160 proof. And nothing can be added but water and only to lessen the proof when necessary. So no other secret ingredients can be added, no artificial, no preservatives, nothing.
0: Good question mark.
1: It's Their rules are pretty specific on what makes a bourbon a bourbon. Happy secret is wheat.' not gonna tell me how much because I don't know. So I'm not giving away any happy secret. Okay. A weeded bourbon has a smoother profile slides across the tongue with a lighter and cleaner finish. While there are other weeded bourbons, none have caused as much buzz as Pappy Van Winkle. Now I will say on a side note that I did go to a distillery and I did try several bourbons. One which was aged four years and one which was aged ten years. Exactly the same bourbon. One was simply aged six extra years. And the difference in flavor was Super noticeable. They were totally different. It was like... It was like you were drinking two different liquids. No, technically you were. I didn't like either one of them. Oh. I apparently am not a bourbon drinker of that distillery. Because... with my understanding is... Each distiller makes them a little different. They're... You know... What they use besides corn... is a little different. So their flavor is going to turn out a little different. And we're going to talk about a sheriff who worked in Franklin County in Kentucky. Came about one day that he heard news of a theft at the Buffalo, Buffalo Trace Distillery in Frankfurt. He really didn't pay any attention to it. He had a 200 square mile county that he policed with nearly 50,000 people. So you had a lot of people to pay attention to. The theft takes place in another county. Okay, whatever. Not my problem. Not my problem. Not my plate. Not going to worry about it.
0: So, this one man, or did he have a department that worked with him?
1: Um, I'm going to say he had a department. Not totally positive. I would assume he had a department with 50,000 people in his population. They had been dealing with a burgeoning heroin problem that had been responsible for 20 overdose deaths in the previous two years. So, they kind of had their minds elsewhere. So, it wasn't until a local newspaper reporter called him the very next day and asked him for details of this heist Then he actually took a look at the case file and this is what he found. On October 14th of 2013 more than 200 bottles of the world's most sought-after bourbon, Pappy Van Winkle, which was valued somewhere between $30,000 and $50,000 were reported missing from the distillery's inventory. I'm not sure how you lose that much bourbon I would not be one happy camper if I lost that much bourbon. So Pappy Van Winkle makes six different types of bourbon so they put on the market and they range in age from 10 years to 23 years. So having tried 10-year bourbon and knowing how smooth that is I can't even begin to imagine how smooth 23 years. These bottles are priced between $50 and $250 a bottle. So now we're talking a 1,000 bottles of bourbon you might have lost. That's a lot of bottles to lose track of. But let's remember that the case file didn't specify where they were bottles or whether they were still in the cask. Okay. Okay, so they still might have been in the casks. So due to its age, 23-year-old, Pappy is the very rarest type that's still considered the white whale of bourbon whiskeys. It's what everybody wants.
0: Clearly mm. not everybody. You don't want it.
1: I haven't tried Pampi Van Winkle. What I tried was something else. Okay. And I didn't like it. Okay. Now if somebody offered me a drink, hell yeah, I'll try it. It's free.
0: Well, if it's this rare, I don't think you're going to get offered I a, doubt a anyone can offer
1: me a drink. So according to the results of the 2014 San Francisco World Spirits Competition... The Pappy 20-year-old variety was the highest-rated bourbon in world. It has become as nearly hard to find as the 23-year-old variety. And what the sheriff found was that nearly all the missing bourbon was the 20-year-old variety. The Buffalo Trace Distillery, which makes Pappy Van Winkle, only produces about 84,000 bottles of all Pappy varieties combined each year. Traditionally, stock had been distributed twice annually. This and you said
0: it was around $30,000 worth. $30,000. Between $30,000 30, and 50000
1: $50, worth of inventory that was missing. Now, they're not claiming it was stolen at this point in time. They're saying it was missing. So whenever the stock was distributed twice a year, obviously it caused consumer frenzy. Because Pappy was hard to get. Everybody wanted Pappy. Um recently the release had been reduced to once a year in November. True fans of Kentucky's bourbon would camp out all night in front of their local liquor store, which you know I really don't want to see. All these people in their sleeping bags in front of the local liquor store. This sounds like a giant, enormous, enormous homeless camp to me.
0: I've got nothing. <laughs>
1: okay.
0: I don't find booze to be that important.
1: It's not that important to me either. But for these people, it was. They were connoisseurs, they wanted to be first in line. The doors opened, they wanted to be right there. Last year, the entire supply at one store, which was selling Fafie Van Winkle at $250 a bottle, sold out in 42 minutes. Sheriff Milton had been a cop for 22 years. He figured. This was an inside job if he'd ever seen one. Nobody just walks into a distillery plant, hauls away that much bourbon, unless they know people there. The theft of all the bourbon had gained universal attention. There was a $10,000 reward offered. When did this happen? 2013. 2013.
0: I didn't know anything about this, so it was not universal wasn't even worldly. You
1: were just a twinkle in your papa's eye in 2013. 2013?
0: No, I was 23.
1: All right, you were just a twinkle.
0: <laughs> I was a something.
1: The police interviewed more than 100 employees. They got nothing solid. Case went cool. Two years later, in 2015, a detective with the Sheriff's Department. So yes, he had at least one detective. His name was Jeff Farmer. He received a mysterious text. The text said, quote, You might be interested in whiskey being stolen in full barrels. Unquote. According to the text that was received by the detective, a longtime employee of Buffalo Trace, his name was Toby Kurtzinger.
0: Not Elmer Fudd?
1: No, I almost tripped over Kirksinger though. And his friend, Sean Searcy, who was a delivery driver for Wild Turkey, which is another distillery...
0: I've heard of Wild Turkey.
1: ...were responsible for stealing large quantities of whiskey. Police had no idea if these men were related to the earlier heist, but it was worth checking out. So now they've received a message about an ongoing heist.
0: So, like, they're still stealing the stuff?
1: So these two are now still stealing stuff from a different distillery. Bappy was stolen from Buffalo Trace Distillery... These gentlemen work for the wild turkey distillery. So Toby and Sean were born and raised in the general area, which was a sleepy southern town, ranged by thick forests, winding rivers, and families who traced their bloodlines to the pioneers who settled these isolated hillsides. Both of these men were married, living fairly normal lives, they had children in grade school, they played softball, they pumped iron, they went to the gym. The tipster said that Circe stopped at Kurtzinger's place along his delivery route between the Wild Turkey Distillery, which was located in Lawrenceburg, and the company warehouse in Nicholasville, which was 25 miles away. During the stop, Circe and Kurtzinger unloaded 500-pound American white oak barrels, each held as much as 53 gallons of wild turkey whiskey. So and the said, company didn't
0: miss this stuff?
1: Apparently it sounds like the distilleries don't pay any attention whatsoever to what goes out their doors.
0: That doesn't sound like very good business. And I think we're seriously just trying to convince people to steal from these people.
1: You have to go to Kentucky. So Detective Farmer grabbed another fellow detective and they grabbed their supervisor who was a captain. So now we have a department of at least four people. So the trio of the men drove out of town to the address. was registered to Kurtzinger he lived in a white ranch house he had maroon shutters and a fenced in front porch sounds like a pretty normal average residence to me but as soon as they stepped out of their police vehicle they kind of just looked at each other they could smell the bourbon in the air it was distinct it was sweet strongly alcoholic with a note of yeasty caramel
0: yeasty caramel yeasty
1: caramel
0: Okay, that doesn't sound...
1: sound, That would make it smell sweet if it had yeasty caramel.
0: It doesn't sound attractive to me at all.
1: So on the edge of the property, the men were looking around. They noticed a pair of tire tracks that led into the woods. From there, they could see the backside of the house. There was a small shed and a bourbon barrel lying on its side on the ground. Beside it, beneath a gray tarp, were shapes that distinctly appeared to be a number of other barrels. A little suspicious, if you ask me.
0: Not at all, no.
1: It smells like alcohol. It looks like alcohol. Oh! It's probably a tea plantation.
0: Did they taste it?
1: Probably just a tea plantation.
0: I'm just saying, if they didn't taste it... it smells
1: like a duck, quacks like a duck, probably a cow. I'm
0: fairly certain that's not how that saying goes, (laughs) but, you know, Elmer Fudd might agree with you.
1: (laughs) So, they went back to town, they got some warrants, Came back with their warrants, did their searching. They found five oak barrels containing an estimated 250 gallons of wild turkey. Each gallon gives you between four and five bottles. So we're talking almost a thousand bottles worth of bourbon. It's
0: a lot of alcohol.
1: That's a hell of a lot of alcohol. So the uh, officers soon learned that the barrels had come from the Wild Turkey Distillery, just as the tips had said they also, along with the bourbon that they found, a large stash of illegal steroid pills, steroid solution, human growth hormone, and 18 firearms, which has nothing to do with our story, but they found them nonetheless. Later on, when uh, the initial interview of Kurtzinger occurred, Kurtzinger told the detective that his pale CRC had taken the barrels from the wild turkey distillery and that he was just storing them as a favor. He did not specify who they were doing a favor for, or why they were doing this favor, but he did claim that it was all just a big mistake and a misunderstanding. Furthermore, in the interview, Kurt Singer said, and if you check my cell phone, any text message that you might find referring to the stealing of pappy bourbon, those are just jokes. Nothing like telling on yourself, right? You might as well just give it all up now, Dig. They arrested him. Kurtzinger and Searcy, they arrested him.
0: Understandably so.
1: About a week later, a local businessman, his name was Mark Rutledge, he came into the prosecutor's office and he told the investigators that in early February, about two months before they arrested Mr. Mister Cur- Mr. Kurtzinger, he had bought a bottle of peppy from Kurtzinger for $850. I don't know anything that is worth that much that you're just going to freaking drink. In March, a few days before the raid, Rutledge said he purchased nine bottles of Pappy for $3,000. Rutledge also said that Kurtzinger offered to sell him a single bottle of 23-year-old Pappy for $1,500. Nearly all the bottles that Rutledge turned over to the police matched the bottles and photos that were found by police on Kurtzinger's phone. So he did turn over the stolen bourbon to the police. As word spread about the arrest and the raid, more calls started coming in from other bourbon buyers who said that they too had bought bourbon from Kurtzinger or others who were connected to him. And all of the callers claimed that they did not know the whiskey had been stolen. I think that if you pay $1,500 for a single bottle of booze, and the booze only retails for 250 in the store. You might have a clue right there that it's not legal. After looking at all his electronic devices, the police decided that this is some of the information that they had. Kurtzinger had participated in thefts of multiple barrels and bottles of bourbon, and they did figure out that the 2013 heist was just the tip of the bourbon iceberg. If what they were finding out was true, a alarming amounts of whiskey were being stolen from Buffalo Trace and at least one other distiller in the area. So what does that tell you about their inventory keeping?
0: Somebody's not doing their job. <laughs>
1: Somebody's not doing it at all. And just a side note, also what they discovered from his digital devices were multiple references to his illegal trade of steroids and other performance-enhancing drugs, which is why they found all the stuff they found in the raid. What they found most alarming was Buffalo Trace's corporate reaction. To local sources, at least, it seemed curious that this very big company, Sarazac, continued to show an alarming lack of interest in keeping track of its very, very valuable inventory. Isn't that kind of what we just said?
0: Sarazac?
1: That's the parent company's name. Oh, okay. That's who owns Buffalo Trace. Side note on that one is Kind of gives me an idea of what the profit margin on bourbon is. They're still making a profit and not realizing they Not caring about
0: $30,000 to $50,000?
1: Worth the heist, and that was just the tip of the iceberg.
0: Yeah, that would tell me that there's quite a bit of money to be made there, and if you're losing thirty dollars to $50,000 and not noticing, you got way too much money.
1: I would say so, yeah. I'd like to have some of that money. That'd be nice. Detective Farmer... Called Circe's supervisor. Remember, Circe was the driver who yep. would stop off at Kurtzinger's property and drop stuff off. Um, so he called the supervisor at the Wild Turkey Distillery, who did confirm that the company was unable to really account for every bottle that Circe or every barrel that Circe transported. They really didn't have an accounting program in place to count the barrels that went on the truck and count the barrels that came off the truck. Uh, the detective would also find out later that the practices on a loading dock were extremely casual. The driver would simply go in and tell the dockhand how many barrels to put on the truck. The dockhand didn't check it, didn't write it down. He just loaded the truck.
0: Yeah, that seems a little too lax.
1: Yeah, nobody was even checking anything. Yeah, I need 50 barrels. I'm only going to drop off 30 at the end, but I just need 50, okay? No problem, it's on your truck. We're working in the wrong industry.
0: Yeah, you're telling me.
1: detective farmer also discovered that in the culture of the bourbon industry, employee pilfering was actually a norm. Seemed like everybody was doing it. Distillery workers thought nothing of regularly bringing their own jugs and bottles and filling them, taking them home for personal use. We're really working the wrong jobs here.
0: You're telling me. I mean, if I get to drink on a job, I am on it.
1: Well, and it's free. Why not?
0: Yeah, I don't even get free stuff where I work.
1: So Detective Farmer and his other detectives, his other officers, tracked down and recovered stolen vermin in six different counties. They uncovered a network of dozens of people who were connected to this bourbon heist. Some of them worked at Buffalo Trace. Some of them were just recreational softball players that that Kurt Singer played softball with. Others knew each other through, oh, a shared babysitter. They were all funneling stolen bottles, jugs, and barrels of bourbon all through the state. (laughs) A woman who previously worked at Buffalo Trace informed police that she had actually reported to management. That the metal cage at the plant where Pappy is stored, the Pappy Van Winkle, it had faulty hinges. And that the door could just be removed if you went over there, popped out the bolts, lifted the door out of place. <laughs> she said that she suspected that the theft reported in 2013 had actually occurred over a number of years because Suburban was inventoried when it was put in the cage, but nobody ever counted again until it was sold. Which means there's actually no telling on how much was taken in total. Pappy Van Winkle could be removed from the distillery with a screwdriver. Pop the bolts out of the cage, pick the door up, set the door aside. As recently as 2008, even the oldest Pappy of the 23 year could be found on shelves in bourbon country. Younger varieties, the 20, the 15, and the 12, were usually easy for customers to purchase. Since the 2013 thefts, however, Pappy has become so rare that it's almost impossible to find it using legal channels. As recently as 2008, even the oldest Pappy, which was the 23-year, could be found on shelves in bourbon country. The younger varieties, the 20, the 15, and the 12, were really super easy for consumers to purchase. You go in your store you buy it. But since the 2013 thefts, however, Pappy Van Winkle has become so rare it is almost impossible to find using legal channels. This is a quote from a bourbon aficionado. His name is Tom Fisher. He says, quote, No one should be paying the price that they're paying for Pappy, but they are. Pappy represents something beyond itself. It's not just bourbon. It's a status symbol. End quote. So it's just a bottle of bourbon. But if you own Pappy, it's a status symbol. It's like Harley Davidson or Ferrari—it's a status symbol.
0: Maybe to alcoholics. I mean, honestly, if I were to walk into somebody's house and see a bottle of Pappy, I wouldn't know the difference.
1: No, no, we wouldn't.
0: I mean, I guess you will now. I'm not super high class. No, I probably Google still now. won't. I probably
1: still will. Hey, I heard about Pappy Van I don't remember anything about it. I mm-hmm. didn't need to know, but I. Heard about it. So Rachel Peek agrees, and in 2006 she opened um, Capital Sellers, which is a liquor store. She had worked for years previously as a national sales rep for the zack Company. When she first opened, she said, "We would buy the 20 and 23 Old Pappy, and it would sit on the shelves for weeks. When she wanted to order Pappy, she'd call up her distributor, and she'd just tell him a number of cases in the past, she could order up to 36 bottles at a time. No problem. These days, she says she doesn't have a choice about how much Pappy she gets. There's a number worked out between her distributor and the Sarazac Company. She gets what they give her. The company is now down to one shipment each November and in 2014, she was only allotted 13 bottles. The Sarazac Company lists this year's suggested retail price for a bottle of 23-year-old Pappy. At $250. Now remember the one guy who bought it for $1,500? Yep. I, that's quite the markup. Peek says she could charge whatever she wanted, but she keeps the markup fairly low. She usually charges about $300. Not long ago, a man came into her store and showed her $3,000 cash. He wanted three bottles of Pappy. She turned him down. I would say that's a woman who has some morals and ethics. Yeah. And is considering the rest of her customer base.
0: That that sounds like a woman that I would like to buy stuff from. Oh, you don't want to buy a bottle of pop.
1: You don't want to buy her?
0: No, I don't want to buy her, but buy stuff from, sure, why not? I mean, I would love to find a distributor who has some kind of ethics. That's
1: a really good way to put that. So we're going to go back to the the bourbon heist. The detectives continue their, their investigation picture of mr kurtzinger emerged he was 46 years old he had worked more than half of his life at the buffalo trace distillery he had risen to a senior position where he had access to pretty much all parts of the property he made a sideline of loaning money to his co-workers and when they were unable to repay him he would have them steal pappy for him that's how they paid him back if they threatened to record it or to not steal for him, he was known to sabotage their work. So they would either be reprimanded or fired. He was a senior official. So another Pappy employee told police that Kurtzinger would often brag to him about all the bourbon that he was stealing. He would describe how he and Searcy would unload the bourbon from the back of the truck with an aluminum ladder as a ramp. So we just hook the ladder up to the back of the truck and we just roll the kegs down the, tr- down the ladder. That's the picture I got in my head. They would store them at Circe's stepfather's home or at Kurtzinger's home.
0: Did that picture include Elmer Fudd there?
1: Nope. I left Elmer T. Fudd way, way behind, like on page two. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much. You're welcome. (laughs) Okay, Brian, That he had sheltered the rare pappy bourbon in his basement. He could drink any age of the seemingly rare liquor whenever he wanted. One time he boasted, he and another man had taken a forklift and moved a pallet of Eagle Rare, which is another bourbon, about 400 bottles over the factory fence and onto the bed of a pickup truck. The pickup was so heavy that the truck dragged on the ground. So Just took a forklift, hoisted the pallet over the fence and dumped it in the back of a truck. So late 2014 Kurtzinger, started telling the previous employee of the distillery that he wanted him to help steal some metal barrels of bourbon from Building 3 at Buffalo Trace, where barrels of aged, pre-bottled bourbon was stored. Initially, the employee told police he said no, but when Kurtzinger showed up at his place one night, taking take him along to do the job, he went along. As the visitors were walking the main grounds of the plant, taking a special nighttime tour, the employee hid under a tarp in the back seat of Kurtzinger's truck, and they entered the property. On the first trip, the two men used a forklift to take six barrels. On another trip, they took five using forklift. When police later searched the laptop and his phone, they found pictures of 11 barrel barrels, more than 250 gallons of bourbon, valued somewhere between 250 to $500 a gallon. These numbers are just making my brain hurt. It's insane. It's beyond insane. So on April 21st of 2015, the Sheriff Melton that we met in the beginning of this story, he stood at a podium in his headquarters and he announced the arrest of 10 people and the recovery of more than $100,000 worth of bourbon. The investigation stretched into six Kentucky counties and some states, as far away as Texas. Mr. Kurtzinger was eventually charged with engaging in organized crime, theft of stolen property, illegal trafficking in anabolic steroids, and trafficking in intoxicating or spirituous liqueur. Police also charged the nine others with varying levels of involvement in the alleged criminal syndicate, including Mr. Kurtzinger's wife, Julie, who was a personal fitness trainer. I don't remember her being a part of the story. She wasn't. This first time she's been brought up. Then,
0: why was she charged?
1: But, they found all those barrels behind his home, and as soon as you got out of the car, you could smell it.
0: And she didn't report it. Mm, Okay. Maybe
1: her sense of smell is gone. Maybe she's just an innocent victim.
0: Innocent, I wouldn't say, unless her eyes don't work and her ears don't work.
1: And her nose doesn't work. and her
0: nose doesn't work.
1: They also charged a security guard at Buffalo Trace. They charged Circe, the driver from Wild Turkey. If convicted... Kurtzinger and his co-defendants could face up to 20 years in prison and it seems to me that thefts of that magnitude using work property to steal work property should hold a larger consequence than Yeah, that's grand years. larceny. Anything that's, over, well. That's insane.
0: It is, but you know, the justice system
1: is kind of screwy. It gets a little bit more insane. Oh, okay. Um, since May of 2015, four of them have pled guilty and agree to cooperate with prosecutors, and each of them faces a year in jail if they commit another crime, but otherwise they will remain free. Evidence in the criminal case against Mr. Kurtzinger traces thefts all the way back to 2008. The investigators believe it is possible to trace all of his thefts back to 2006 or even farther. Based on their investigations and information that they did obtain from multiple witnesses, the police think that Kurtzinger may have hauled pallets and barrels of bourbon out of the distillery for at least five years prior to Pappygate. Well, the scope of the facts will probably never, ever be known. Records do show that police recovered 28 bottles of Pappy, nine stainless steel barrels from Buffalo Trace, 22 wooden barrels from the Wild Turkey Distillery, in the equivalent of five more barrels of Pappy in various containers, all total about a 1,000 gallons. One stainless barrel of the 23-gallon barrel of bourbon of the 23-year has a retail value of $11,000 alone.
0: Okay. Side note here.
1: Too many numbers.
0: Yeah. Um, if, what was it, White Stag was the parent company of yeah. Pappy?
1: Yeah, way back there.
0: Yeah, White Stag.
1: Um,
0: If anybody from White Stag is listening, and because obviously you don't give a crap about losing any of your inventory, if you'd like to send some to us for free, um, email us, and I will definitely give you our address.
1: We'll drive down and get it. Yeah,
0: well, she'll drive down and get it. I don't have that kind of time on my hands. I'll
1: make
0: it. Okay, well, I'm just saying. uh, I will definitely give it a try. Okay, back to the story.
1: All right. While some of the recovery bottles that still had their legal stamps and seals still intact may be eligible for a charity auction, the majority of the recover bourbon, which sells at a stylish bar in Lexington for $225 for a two-ounce shop, they can't be sold. Only the bottles that still had their legal stamps and seals intact could be sold. Well, yeah, I'm The rest good. of it was used as a training exercise. They burned it. Firefighters
0: to train. No. Oh. I mean that is a good use for it.
1: I feel like you could have made a lot of homeless people happy.
0: You could have, or you could train our firefighters to fight these specific specific fires. Seems like a better option to go than just getting homeless people drunk.
1: You gotta stay warm. I don't you so just maybe be happy. How many people can you make happy with
0: don't know. I'm just you saying could burn a
1: building where you could have happiness flowing throughout the home. How many
0: people are life? going to be happier knowing that their firefighters know how to fight these particular fires?
1: How many people consider that?
0: I don't care.
1: I don't think I think you they really
0: took the more responsible route.
1: Okay. I'm just saying. Okay. I agree
0: with their decision in this particular instance.
1: Okay. In the end, Kurtzinger received only thirty days in prison. And he was the only one of the ten defendants that served any time at all.
0: That doesn't seem right.
1: Thirty days. That doesn't seem days. right. And that is the story of the Great Bourbon Robbery.
0: Something screwy is going on down south, but, you know, I guess I don't really have much of a say-so, do I?
1: No, we don't live down there. We don't get to make the rules. But and seriously,
0: I- any of these companies mentioned in this podcast, if you would like to send us um, free... Samples. Samples. Yes. yes, samples. We will definitely take them. Boxes. Cases.
1: Barrels. Casks. Trailer.
0: Trucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: I need to see a semi. Cargo stomach.
0: containers. Yeah, that's
1: not gonna cause any any talk in my neighborhood when the trailer pulls up in front of my house and starts unloading. <laughs> 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 they won't make any my neighbor talk. Thanks so much for everybody who stopped by. Lend us your ear. Listen to our silly story. We really hope you enjoyed yourselves with us today.
0: If you have any suggestions, ideas, or comments, you can always stop by our Facebook. That is Tell Me Something I Didn't Need to Know. Or you can email us at tmsidntk@gmail.com. at gmail.com. We are also on Twitter at tmsidntk. It's the initials for the title. For those of you who can't figure that out on your own.
1: It was tough for me. I know. If you don't have a problem with it, feel free to follow the podcast. It should download automatically for you. Leave us a rating and a review. That will help.
0: You can follow us on Anchor.
1: They are our podcast hosts. They are the ones who host us and put us out there on the different venues that you can locate us on.
0: Those would be Spotify. Breaker google podcasts radio public obviously this show is co-hosted by myself andrew and my mom mary all editing is done by myself and the cover art is done by my mom
1: don't roll your eyes out loud
0: i can't make any
1: promises (laughs) have a great night enjoy your day bye bye bye